I would just close my store down just to show them, like, this is what we're going to do to you. It, it just exploded, right? It was sort of like a, it, it became a sensation. Because we were, we were going to war. I think this is the only place in the world where uh, McDonald's and other fast food companies have been unionized, where it hasn't been forced by the state. So, so we, we were proud about that. And that's like, awesome. Well, we all then went and continued fighting <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> this was a huge media issue. We crushed the employers. Kilda, and welcome back to Blueprints, the podcast about political strategies. This is the first of three episodes about trade union campaigns and workplace strikes over the last decade in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today, we're looking at how Unite the Union's long-term organising in fast food restaurants paved the way for a legal ban on zero-hours contracts. In some ways, it's the culmination of a campaign that started with Supersize My Pay that we covered in our very first episode back in the early 2000s, when Unite were able to unionize fast food workers and force the major multinationals into a collective agreement, which was won alongside the work of groups like Radical Youth, who were campaigning to ban youth rates. That campaign gave Unite a presence in the sector and meant that by 2013, as that round of agreements was finished, they set their sights on finally getting rid of zero hours contracts. By April 2015, they'd forced the industry to remove them from employment agreements, and a year later, in May 2016, a law was passed in Parliament banning their use altogether. I'm Yvette Seep. I was an assistant manager for restaurant brands when it was all going down. So for me, because I was an assistant manager and the store manager was a union member as well, our store was quite good in a way. So all our stuff, we all sat down and I was like, okay, well, what hours can we do? And then we made the roster that way. Mm. But I know that didn't happen in all stores anyway because there was a lot of anti-union store managers and they saw the union as bad because we, you know, help the workers, we give them rights, and they didn't want that. We had a lot of the uni students or school students or parents, like solo mums as well, and every week not knowing what you're going to work, it's horrible, and especially if you rang up sick, it was they would then punish you for being sick, and you might have 20 hours one week, and then the next week you might have six hours because you rang up sick, or you took leave, or you had a birthday, or something was happening, and you couldn't make work on like go to work on this day even though you'd give them like a month's notice it would still be like okay well you're now not going to get hours because of this and if you didn't stay longer they would cut your hours down another week so they would just not roster you the same amount of hours um it was actually quite horrible and not knowing what your shifts are going to be every week was it's it was very hard for my staff to manage their life especially like for solo mums and school kids and that you you know they had no idea you couldn't prepare for anything or anything like that and if you were the manager's favorite 
you got more hours. If you covered sick calls, you got more hours. If you didn't have any time off work, you got more hours. If you could work any day, any time, you got more hours. If you answered back or you questioned anything or said, no, you can't do this shift, they would remove hours off of you. So you can't live like that. It was, they held that above your head basically and it's like if you don't do what I want you to do this is what's going to happen to you we will remove your hours yeah. so the lowest would have probably been like 15 hours a week and the highest would have been probably around between 26 and 28 hours that's yeah. a huge variation isn't it yeah how did yeah. you cope with that uh, hard it was really hard yeah yeah having a family and trying to bring up kids pay your rent yeah trying to survive what did you do in a 15-hour week? Uh, well, just sucked it up, really, and, yeah, just had to live on what we had. But before I became an assistant manager, I was a crew member as well, living like that. So some weeks I would get 40 hours, some weeks I'd get 50 hours, and then there'll be some weeks that I got six hours. So you can't live like that, you can't pay your bills, how you meant to, you know, even rent, you can't cover rent on six hours a week. So this type of employment was clearly awful for many people, but there was also a strategic value for Unite as a union in trying to get rid of it, because as the Super Size My Pay campaign showed, unionising this sector is super hard. Here's Mike Treen, National Director of Unite at the time, with McDonald's, 80% of the stores are owned by franchisee, 20% by the head office. And we get a reasonable percentage in the head office stores, 20-30% membership. But the franchise stores, it's, it's often around 5 or 10%. We're lucky, if, or any, or none at all. Burger King, normally only around 20%. So I mean, yeah, it's, it made it difficult to organise in the industry also, because you ran the risk of, if you joined the union and spoke up again, you got your hours cut. There were personal risks involved for being a, 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 a union member. And one company, Burger King, went after the union members one time. We had 500 out of about 2,000 Burger King staff overall. In 2012, over a period of sort of three to six months, they say forced half of our membership to resign, essentially. They just went after them one by one. Our management campaigned to destroy the union, and we managed to turn it around and force them to back off. And the campaigns that Unite has won around supersize my pay and legally getting rid of youth rates as well and boosting the minimum wage associated with those campaigns, that has had a significant impact on on people's income. So we were targeting wages, we were targeting youth rates, and we had a claim what we called secure hours. And we tried to introduce rules around rostering that trying to improve these contracts, but it just proved impossible to police, really, mm. or use the contract to be able to enforce it. We'd catch them out in individual stores, but across the company as a whole, what we called the security hours clauses proved inadequate to address the problem that's all we made progress you know we were able to push back in particular situations for particular workers and, and particular companies weren't as bad as other companies but but the principle that they could roster whatever the hours they want still hadn't been overcome mm. and uh, so we decided to go after that whole principle of mm. flexi flexible rostering as they called it during the collective bargaining in 2013 
Unite told the employers that its members wanted an end to fix flexible rostering and that they'd be back in 2015 to demand it. That year, agreements with each company would all be expiring at the same time and they'd be able to run a national campaign for the whole sector. This was going to be important because the work sites are so dispersed and the workforce so transient. So in December 2014, at their annual conference, Unite launched the campaign. So the strategy began with a sort of counterintuitive in a sense because there was this English woman who came over about campaigning and who had spoken at the CDU conference who had said, you never run a campaign opposing something. You must always have a, you know, a, a positive proposal. We were thinking about that because we were, what sort of campaign should we run? And we decided to name it as Zero Hour Contracts. There was greater use of this term in the UK than there was in New Zealand. This was a, a term that came from the UK. So we were actually naming the unnamed. When we finally got a journalist to take it seriously and say, yes, this is a zero-hour contract, and interview workers who are on it, it, it just exploded, right? It was sort of like a... It, it became a sensation. Mm. Now, we, we organised to try and make that happen in that way. We called a delegates conference of delegates from all over New Zealand and we had people speaking at, at the conference and we had these fantastic young delegates you know, getting up and making speeches and telling emotional heart-bending stories about life on, on a zero-hour contract and what managers were doing to them. And again, it was a huge media hit because... A, it had been named by this Radio New Zealand journalist in a series during a week. So he put a lot of effort into doing the stories and interviewing workers and, and, and doing several of them during the morning as a feature. The interviews coming through Unite, so you were giving them members. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. And then the coup de grace was John Campbell again, who had done this feature on the Supersize campaign at the very beginning and uh, sort of put us on the on the national map. And then he, they announced they're going to restructure his job and sack him essentially, right, TV3 do. So there's huge, huge people, so they all start watching him. Then he decides he's going to uh, do, like, updates of negotiations. It's like night wow. after night after night, workers being interviewed, uh, updates on the negotiations and stuff. It was... So their press team was speaking to you guys daily? And, and it was, yes, yes, wow. yes. And it, boom, 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 boom. It was, and for some weeks during the thing. So imagine earning less than the minimum wage. People do. It's called a zero-hour contract. In short, you're called upon to work whenever you're required, and if you're not required, you don't get paid. And Burns Francis with what that's like. This is Michelle on shift today at McDonald's in Panmure. This week, she'll work a total of 37 and a half hours. That's a good week. So I'm on 15.05 at the moment. Per hour. Per hour. It's hard to make ends meet on that, isn't it? Yeah, sure. This is Mohammed. He earns $14.25 an hour. 
But he's on a zero hours contract. And last week, he got zero hours. Michelle is on a zero it's hours all about contract. Zero hours. zero hours contract. Zero hours on zero contract. hours contracts. And then when the campaign uh, itself started, just every single media in the country, from the most progressive to the most right-wing, was on side. It was extraordinary. You know? so, so all those right-wing sort of commentators in the morning sort of shows and everything were all completely on side. You know, we were being interviewed by everybody. It was good because we got to have our say. We got to voice what we were feeling and what was going on so everyone knew what was happening. And it was out there, so the public knew what we were actually having to go through day by day. So it was, it was good. Everyone enjoyed it. No one was like, oh, I'm too scared or back down or anything like that. It was like, no, this is what we want and we're going to tell everyone this is what we want and we're not going to stop until we get it. As the contracts expired in March 2015, they began negotiations. Unite members didn't have the kinds of supermajorities required to win secure hours with industrial power alone. Their strike threat was backed up by the intense and growing media pressure that they'd helped to cultivate and that had now taken off and had a life of its own. They had the most members in restaurant brands companies, places like Pizza, KFC and Starbucks, and expected that they would concede first. But by late March, there was no meaningful offer and so members wanted to strike. Yvette was a member of the bargaining team, sitting across the table from senior management and translating members' desire to strike. Oh yes, I was very verbal. I would just close my store down just to show them, like, this is what we're going to do to you. Yes. Ah, yeah, it was fun. So as the strike approached, the workers needed to be prepared and made to feel confident. It was just someone there. Like, I know most of the stores, they didn't have, like, the assistant managers and store managers, they weren't unionised or anything like that, but we had a lot of members that were. And I would go around to the stores, the delegates would, like our organisers would, they would go and would, you know, would rock each other up and just be like, yes, this is, you know, we'll just, yeah, we would, we'll just work each other up and just be like, we're going to fight and we're going to do this no matter what, because at the end of the day, we can't lose anything. You know, because we couldn't. We were already dealing with shit every day, so... You know, we just went hard. It wasn't like someone coming, like, you know, an organiser saying, this is what we're going to do. It was like, we worked together. It was like, okay, well, what should we do? What are we going to do about it? And we spoke about it together and decided together. Mm -hmm. It wasn't Unite coming saying, this is what you need to do. It was, we worked together like one big family to achieve what we did. With workplaces having just 10 or 15 workers on shift at a time, making strike action fun, enjoyable, and creating the affect of being part of a bigger nationwide campaign was absolutely crucial. So there was people out and we got family and because I'm from West Auckland, you know, you post that everywhere over Facebook and everything and then you get all the Westies that come out and support you and they're just like, no, they're not having, you know, they just won't take shit. You know, it's like their kids or their parents and all of that, they're out there working, slaving and you know, we just all came to give it like as a one big community and we just went hard. Basically. 
we'd protest outside the stores for the duration of the strike or bring people into a central point yeah. in each locality, like West Auckland might go to yeah. Lincoln Road, like a big store in Lincoln Road or something. Because often these often there are stores, you know, they're all close to each other. They're broadly similar locations. Yeah, yeah Unite hired, they had a few buses and would drive around and pick people up. Right. Be like, I'm at this spot, we'll pick you up from here and then we'll go here to the strike. And go to each other's strikes. So we would encourage people to, so, which whoever was going on strike that day or wherever, not all the stores would go on strike necessarily the same day. Sometimes it would be a rolling strikes or, or, or a roving strike. And yeah, you'd have McDonald's workers striking and protesting outside of a KFC store and vice versa. Like, we worked together. It wasn't, okay, well, I'm KFC and you're McDonald's. We're doing it separately. We worked completely together on that. And we're all, I'm kind of a bit crazy and I get face paint and put it on my face. Like So it was like we're going to war and that's what we're all marching around, screaming with our signs. Good everyone, a cracker of a programme tonight. Last night we looked at travel perks enjoyed by former MPs. At the other end of the employment spectrum, zero hours contracts. You know that we've been looking at this. And what we've seen hasn't impressed us. Tonight, a major announcement and a really significant breakthrough. Anna Burns-Francis reports. Campbell Live first started looking at these contracts in February. Tens of thousands of Kiwi workers are signed up to them. Full-time job offers, or so they thought. Unite Union has been protesting these agreements as well as trying to negotiate a better deal for its members. And tonight, we can reveal they've been successful. Restaurant brands, KFC, Carl's Jr, Pizza Hut and Starbucks has agreed to put an end to zero-hour contract. You, you, you could feel it by your manager team or you know your district or ops managers or HR. You, they, you knew that they were under pressure and they were because you could feel it. The it would change their environment and everything and how they would deal with you or speak to you or if their visits coming to your store. They'll come more often. Oh, are you okay? How's it going? And you knew they were basically shitting themselves because we just weren't going to stop. And that's what Unite Union is. We just don't stop. We will continue fighting you until we get what our members deserve. And stick with the specials on the menu at many fast food restaurants today. The union representing workers on zero hours contracts was determined to extend the victory announced on Campbell Live last night. Restaurant brands, the chain that reached the agreement, also called it a win. But as Susie Nordquist reports, other brands face a customer boycott if they don't follow suit. Last night, a breakthrough. One of the biggest fast food chains bowed to public pressure and abandoned zero-hour contracts from July. This evening, restaurant brands told 3 News the new collective agreement will provide security for both employees and the company. We believe this is a win-win for all employees, the union and the company. A campaign to end zero hours at McDonald's, Burger King and Wendy's will begin next week. We'll be asking people to go to our website and sign letters to send to those companies to give them the message because we, we can't do this on our own. The government is reviewing the rules around zero hour contracts in hopes to be able to make an announcement by the middle of the year. Susie Nordquist, 3 News. And when you know, RBL did, was like, okay, you know, they gave in and was like, yes, we won, and that's like, awesome. Well, we all then went and continued fighting McDonald's. <laughs> you know, we didn't stop. Like, 
you know, we came back, I remember to Unite, we had a massive as barbecue and all of that, like, yeah, we won, awesome, but we knew we still had a lot of work to do with other companies and we all still done it. That's just what, like, our, our members are like. So when there is a strike that needs to be for one company, we all join in because at the end of the day, we're all one. We are Unite Union, you know, so we need everybody to join in and that's what everybody does. Like, I've gone, the amount of strikes I've gone to, I'm like... I've done a lot more striking for other companies than I have for restaurant brands. And it's the same with a lot of my, you know, our, a lot of our staff and that whenever there was a strike that was popping up or a protest, I'd be like, boom, let it, let all my staff know and other stores, this is what's going on. And it's like, okay, cool. Well, we'll organize carpooling and all of that. And we'll just drive around and go for gold. It was, it's fun. It was entertaining for us. And it felt like we were doing something good and we were helping because, you know, at the end of the day, how we saw it is like, especially me, is like, well, if I'm stuck, I would love someone else to help me. And if that person's stuck, well, I'm definitely going to go and help we'll try them. and make that. We're trying to make we're music. We'd always yeah. have music. We'd always yeah. have you know, yeah. chanting. We'd always have, yeah, try yeah, people we're having a good time. Even, yeah. in, even in the middle of winter. Yeah, and <laughs> in the pouring rain, we're still having fun. Yeah. <laughs> in mid-April... Burger King still hadn't made an offer and its workers voted to go on strike. Unite hadn't felt strong enough to take strike action at BK since the Super Size My Pay campaign. But with a win from restaurant brands under their belt, weekly updates on the campaign on Campbell Live, and with most politicians and commentators voicing some kind of support, now they did. They chose April the 15th and it was part of a global day of action for fast food workers. Pickets were held in support of Unite in places like Japan, the UK, and the US. It was amazing. It was sort of, uh, it was because we had established connections that were genuine sort of connections internationally that mainly through a union in the United States called the SEIU. So the, the SEIU launched the fight, sort of $15 an hour min- oh, yeah. sort of campaign in, in the US around you know, $15 mm-hmm. minimum wage and a campaign to unionise the fast food industry. They discovered, of course, that we'd done it sort of <laughs> before them and were keen to hear because New Zealand, is, New Zealand is unique in that it is voluntary unionism. I think this is the only place in the world where uh, McDonald's and other fast food companies have been unionised and collective agreements obtained where it hasn't been forced by the state so, so we we were proud about that, and so we wanted to tell yeah you know, we wanted to tell that story, and they through the International Union of Food Workers brought fast food workers from across the world to their conferences wherever people were trying to organise, and these are very often very modest efforts in the Philippines or in Singapore or you know Hong Kong or whatever, and that we got to talk to each other, and uh, we had no idea <laughs> no idea it was going to happen really. Uh, but, we, we said that we were going to be doing something and asked for support. The day before the strike at Burger King, they folded and signed a deal, which was even more comprehensive than the restaurant brand's agreement. Smaller companies like Burger Fuel and Hell's Pizza began to release statements saying that they would also stop using zero-hours contracts, presumably terrified of the negative publicity and less able to weather a dip in their sales like the multinationals could. Unite organizers had to call off the Burger King strike at the last minute, 
and many workers obviously felt gutted. But because Unite had focused on telling a national story and running a national campaign, members saw themselves as part of something bigger and they were able to channel people's frustrations towards McDonald's, who were still refusing to sign. And right, let's go out for lunch. And as McDonald's and the Unite Union continue their negotiations around ending zero-hour contracts beneath the golden arches, we thought we'd go there. McDonald's, if you're watching, this is what your customers, lovely people, by the way, think of zero-hours contracts. He's interviewing everybody coming out of a drive-thru at his local McDonald's. Right? <laughs> what do you think of zero-hour contracts? Oh, they suck! So this is the McDonald's Grail and it's very busy, I have to confess I've been here myself a couple of times and we're going to ask their customers what they think of zero hours contracts, so what we're going to try and give it a go now, we're going to wander around, Steph our wonderful camera woman, and this young man who looks like a bit of a hipster with his beard is going to drive down and we're going to say, oh, stop, 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 it's going to be, how are you young man? Yeah, good. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, sir. We're asking people what they think of zero hours contracts. Oh, well, I reckon they deserve to have guaranteed hours. Zero hours contracts. What do you reckon about them? Bullshit. Criminal. Why? Because if you're going to hire someone, you've got to give them some work. I think they're absolutely disgusting. They're offensive and they shouldn't be there. Have you got a full-time job? Uh, no, I don't. I'm a passing student. What are you studying? Law. Oh, good man. <laughs> So you've got, you'll be an employment lawyer when you grow up. When you grow up, what a dick. <laughs> when you grow up, oh, hello. <laughs> no, no. Uh, Briar Wales, you're in Wellington. Another strike for McDonald's workers planned. This is, this is after, so this is when they rejected zero hours. Contract negotiations have fallen through. Yes, so this is all over those zero-hour contracts. McDonald's and the union that represents those workers, Unite, they've been in negotiations for the past couple of weeks with the union wanting to get rid of those contracts. So McDonald's says that he yesterday tabled an offer in line with the union's last request, but that the union changed its position, so it left the bargaining table. Uh, the unions criticised McDonald's for walking away, saying that it had welcomed the offer, it just wanted some more information and to continue bargaining on a couple of other claims. So for this reason, they've organised some further strike action for McDonald's workers on Friday. It's actually International Workers' Day. So they're asking other New Zealanders to boycott the chain while they do this. McDonald's this Friday. That's the call from a union after the fast food company walked out of pay negotiations. It's the latest hurdle for campaigners who are aiming to scrap the use of so-called zero-hour contracts. There'll be no more protest action from McDonald's workers after the company decided to scrap its controversial zero-hour contracts. The fast food chain followed the likes of Burger King and restaurant brands in making the move which will come into effect in July. Unite Union National Director Mike Treen says workers couldn't have done it without help from the public. Once again, the threat of a major national day of action was enough and McDonald's finally conceded the day before after some intense negotiations. Nighttime negotiations and then 10 or 11 o'clock at night and then we do the deal. How does that feel? Amazing. Like, 
all the hard work that you've gone through and all the shit that you've done is like it's all paid off it's I, I just can't even explain it it was just it's just it, yeah it was pretty fast it started happening straight away you know because it does take some time because you have to go through all the rostering and all the contracts and you know they had to calculate how many hours that we were guaranteed and all of that kind of stuff also, regional brands went a little bit further to fixed shifts. So, as well as guaranteed hours, it was fixed shifts. Burger King settled on a mixture of fixed shifts and uh, guaranteed hours. Uh, and McDonald's was adamant, just wanted to maintain the guaranteed hours system. The resolution to the end zero hours campaign is an example of an industrial strategy as a lever for a political strategy. By forcing the issue of zero hours into the national conversation, by allowing workers to tell their story and to expose the reality of this type of employment because they had a concrete win that was able to galvanise workers and supporters to action. It became an issue that politicians couldn't avoid. During their campaign, the National Government's Employment Minister Michael Woodhouse had to take a side and because the public outrage was so strong and because there were news stories and features occurring weekly, they were forced to commit to doing something to stop it. This is the same national government who had tried to pass the Employment Relations Bill a few years earlier, which will make an undignified appearance in our next episode. So the government, the national government, claimed, of course, you know, we're not, we're not in favour of zero contracts. So Labour draft a draft bill and sort of put it on the government and said, well, if you're not opposed to it, let's, let's do it. This was a huge media issue. We crushed the employers yeah. and it was a common sense opinion of everybody that we should just do this and they did the final question is always then what advice would Yvette and Mike give to politically active people out there sometimes like in the super size uh, my pay campaign we were sort of almost on our last feet before McDonald's finally capitulated. We sort of had signed with restaurant brands back in sort of April or something, but went through the whole winter doggedly at the heels of, of McDonald's and Burger King and uh, simply never gave up and finally uh, got them. You know, we're not a rich union. We're not, you know, we don't have millions of dollars. It's not often you get the chance, but when we get a chance for the workers to tell their stories and have it reported fairly on in the media, it, it had a huge impact, you know, I think it's getting real people with real stories about how they're impacted by corporate decisions. Just keep fighting, don't stop, never <laughs> back down, never. Don't give up, that's mine, just don't. that's it for another episode of blueprints if you're listening on a podcast platform that allows you to leave reviews please take a minute to give us five stars my thanks to mike and yvette from unite next time the incredible story of how meat workers at wairua were locked out three times in five years by one of new zealand's richest families the tallies kia kaha <laughs>